Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Hallelujah. I tell you, I could have just stayed in that worship. And then pastor starts preaching. I'm like, I don't want to preach. You know, I come down here and I talk to him. We were riding around today and he was like this walking encyclopedia of revelation. And I was like, I looked at him. I said, you know, I, I don't want to preach after talking to you. I, was, I just don't want to preach after talking to you. But God's good, isn't he? And I tell you what, I feel the presence of God in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Let's thank you one more time. We thank you. You're so good. Not one of us is here because we're so smart. We're here because you're so merciful and you're so kind and you rescued us and you do rescue us and we just are before you. Our lives before you. We are in the presence of a living God, a Father, a Heavenly Father. Jesus said, pray like this, our Father, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth, in my life, as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, I, I, I have a life uh, a life prayer. It's a it's a gut prayer. It's a it's for the rest of my life prayer, and I pray it all all the time. And uh, I spend I spend significant amount of time talking to the Lord about it because of uh, something that happened to me, and I'll talk about that uh, in just a little bit. But the prayer is simple: is to know God. It's very simple, but there's a hitch to it. I want to know you according to what you mean when you talk about people knowing you. There's billions of people on the earth that, that claim they know God, but what they really know is their version of God. They, they know what they've carved out that they wanted to hang on to, and people have done that with this uh, grace message. That's a, that's a little bit overboard. They carve out a God that uh, is okay with their sin. Yeah. Okay with them living in sin. And uh, so all you've done is carved out an idol. And you're worshiping your own image of God. Well, I want God to reveal himself to me so that when he talks about me, he says, Paul knows me. You know, words are very important. The meaning of words are very important because if you don't have the same definition of no as God has in his mind, you could be going along a track and think you're knowing God and you're not knowing him at all. And there's, listen, I was in Mexico and I saw people, uh, priests, and pull up their uh, pants and, 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 and get on stone 
stone uh, steps all the way up to a statue of Mary, and, and the stone was full of blood because they grind their knees into the stone as penance up to kiss the statue of Mary. And, and the whole stones are just, they're just bloody. And then they rip off their robe and they take a, a long branch full of thorns and they just whip their back, just whip their back, crying out to God, thinking they are knowing God, thinking they are, are giving him some form of worship equal to the person that he is. And every bit of it is totally 100% wrong and unnecessary and idiotic and actually demonic. And it's all because you have a definition of no inside your head that God does not have in his heart. I want to know. With his definition. So that when he says, you know me, it's according to what I think knowing me means. And I pray that. And I mean it when I pray it. I don't, I don't usually do this, but I, I will share an experience, and I'm not big on, on that, but I will share an experience because it has something to do with what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an unlimited God and an unlimited life. An unlimited God and an unlimited life. Uh, I was at Ramah at a time when Brother Hagin was getting a little bit frustrated over how many people wanted him to talk about Jesus appearing to him. He was kind of getting fed up with it because every time he went somewhere, they'd say, talk about when Jesus appeared to you. And he'd said, I always knew the carnal people from the spiritual because the carnal people would say, what did he look like? The spiritual people would say, what did he say? But he kind of got tired of it, you know? And so we were there, and some of the students had started that. Brother Hagin, you know, you teach us. Uh, we're, we're, he, Mark 11, 23, 24, and 25, 26 for a year. You know, so some of the students started, you know, saying, Brother Hagin, talk about when Jesus, and he got tired of it. He said, let me tell you something. If I could snap my fingers and make him appear to you right now, I promise you this, he wouldn't say anything different than what he's already said. He said he might elaborate and he might make something clear to you, but he wouldn't say anything different. Now, open your Bibles to Mark 11, 22, 20. We all got the point, you know, Brother Hagin. So, so you don't build any doctrine around an, an experience unless that experience is backed up by the word of God. Now, that, that happened to me in the Ukraine. I was snowed in, except for going out once a day to, to train about 250 liters back when communism fell. And I, uh, the Lord opened the door for me to be there when it fell. And let me tell you, I have never been in a spiritual atmosphere that, that, was, that, that was that electric. It was literally like heaven come down on a spot in Kiev, Ukraine. And God's not through with that nation. And uh, one of the apostles, I think it was Andrew, or one of them, they said was martyred there. They have a 
statue to him. I don't know if it's true or not, but they said he prophesied over the region before he died that God would move in that place. So I was there, and uh, the pastor that was there had to go register his van in Poland, and it was just he, his wife and I, and that was awkward. I didn't want to hang around with her. And so all I could do was eat my meal and go back to my room. Now, you have to understand, I am in an apartment complex, come to find out, with Russian mafia everywhere. And it was a dangerous place. And so there was like two and a half, three feet of snow outside. And I you just don't dare step a foot outside that apartment at night with Russian mafia everywhere. So I had no TV, I had no radio, I had no cassette, I had nothing, no phone, no computer, nothing, nothing. Which I think at some point in our life, it might be healthy for us to do that. Go somewhere where absolutely nothing can get your attention. And at first I was like, you know, I've got, I'm getting back to my room after dinner about 6.30 and I've got a Bible and my tablet, and nothing. So I set myself, you know, you can do this. You can set yourself to, to seek the Lord and get something from God, and he likes that. He's okay with that. I'm, I'm got, I've got a line drawn here. I'm not leaving until you talk to me about this. So that, that's what I did. I, I was, I was you know, I'm, I've got a week here. I've got seven days of 6.30 to 12 o'clock at night because I'm a night guy, you know. I don't, I come alive around, uh, you know, 10.30, 11, 12, you know, 2.30. I'm wiped out. I'm asleep somewhere. But uh, anyway, so this is what I said. I want to know the limits and the boundaries of my relationship with you. I want you to define my relationship with you. What can I expect to, to have? What can I have? Are there any limits? Now, I worshiped, I prayed, I worshiped, and I was, sit, I was seated at a desk. I can still see it in my mind. And uh, listen, I don't try to make something more dramatic than it is. All I can tell you is the glory of God came down in that room. And, 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 and if any of you know what I'm talking about, then I don't have to elaborate. And if you don't know, ask somebody and they'll explain it. But it's this weight. You know, one of the definitions of glory is weight. It's the essence of God. It's, it's the essence of what makes him God. And it comes down. It's a slice of heaven coming into earth. I knew that cloud was around me. I didn't see anything. I, I had my hands up, and he came. I don't know why. Can you explain it? No, can't explain it. He came behind me and started talking to me. Now, how do you know? How do you know anything? I don't know how I know. I just knew he was behind me. I'm hearing the voice behind me, and he's speaking to me. And I didn't dare turn around. I was I had my eyes closed. I was weeping. I was in in the presence of God, and God had come down to meet with me, and he was talking to me. And this is what he said. He said, there's only one limit. There's only one. 
you could never be the sacrifice. You are, you're not qualified. You never would be qualified to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So you cannot be the only begotten from the dead, the spotless Lamb of God. That's it. I said, that's it? He said, that's it. Other than that, you are to have a relationship with me exactly on the quality and caliber of my son, Jesus Christ. And I said, forgive me, but I'm gonna, I believe that you're here. I can sense your presence. I know your voice, but you're gonna have to prove that. And you know, he's never gotten offended at me talking to him like that. He has never taken exception. He said, okay, John 17. So I went to John 17. So let's go to John 17. I said, you're going to have to prove that I can have a walk with you exactly like Jesus. I can have this same quality and caliber of relationship that Jesus Christ has. Now, Listen to me. Jesus is demand, is he not? So if anybody knows how to pray, it's demand. And he's about to leave the earth. So this isn't tiddlywink prayer. He's pulling out the stops on the most important thing that Jesus Christ can think about to say to the Father in prayer before he leaves the earth. Outside of not my will, yours be done, this is the biggest prayer he'll pray. Let's pick it up in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Then the Lord speaking, he's behind me talking. He said, now, he's talking directly about you, Paul. This is Jesus Christ on the earth, and he just made a statement about me. Come on now. Somebody ought to get excited about that. He's looking, God sees the end before the beginning. He knew you were going to be here tonight. He saw you. And if you want to get technical about it, he saw you before you was formed in your mama's tummy. So, He's talking. What's he pray? He pull out. I pray that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me. And I in you. That they also may be one in us. Look at me. He's saying, I pray that they have the exact same relationship with you that I have with you. Are y'all getting this? You know, we read these words. You know, and when I came back to the United States, I tried to, I tried to get up and preach on this. I couldn't even preach on it. I just stood there and cried. I couldn't even say the words for a long time. These are, these are big words, people. 
These are big, big, big words. They may, they may sound like small words, but they're big, big words. They're big, big words. I in you and you in me, that they may be one in us just as we are one. Those are big, big words. And they speak about relationship. And the, the, the exact relationship that he wants you to have with the Father. Jesus is talking about me. And he's talking about me and the Father. And he's praying about it. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and, and, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me. Possibly the greatest evangelistic thrust is just people that walk with God the way Jesus walked with God. And people look at you and I say, I see God in you. No way I'm even getting to this message. No way. You wouldn't believe how much I've got. I can't get through this. I can't, I can't ever get through this. I can't get through this. I and them and you and me that they may be perfect in one, that the world, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you've given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I've known you, and these have known that you sent me. I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Come on, somebody lift your hands and say, I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to know God the way Jesus knew God. I want to walk with God the way Jesus walked with God. I want to know the Father the way Jesus knew the Father. I want the same glory that Jesus had with the Father before the foundation of the world. Big prayer. Big prayer. I do bizarre studies. I study strange things. I can't help it. It's just part of my personality. I just did a doc. I did a, a study on 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 an African wood at, uh, cutter ant. You know they can make twenty different scent trails out there behind. Twenty different scent trails, and the scent trails, the meaning of the scent trails will change according to how that ant will approach other ants and what he does with his hands. He can change the meaning of the scent trail by how he communicates. This usually means this, but now because I'm doing this with my hands and my antenna, it can mean that. It can mean there's an enemy behind, attack and kill it. It can mean there's food back there. It can mean all kind of stuff. I just did it because of, of Romans 1. Look at this in Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, 
even his eternal power and, and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Let's read it again. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So I, 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 I did that. I, I, I started asking the Lord questions, you know. I, I don't... I said, what do you, talk to me about this scripture. What do you do? What do you, what do you mean about this scripture? So I just started, I started looking up stuff. Do you know there's 9,000 species of birds? There's 120, and 120 of those are ducks. There's over 120 species of ducks. Did you know that? There's 33,000 species of fish. And some of them are just so weird, you can't do anything but just look at them and go, that's freaky. You can't eat them. I, I, I studied this fish that lives way, way down in the deep, 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 deep. He's got this stem coming off the top of his head, and on the top of his stem is his eyeball. Floats around, looking at You can't eat him. It doesn't taste good. You just look at him and go, that's freaky. And, I, you know, I asked the Lord questions. Like, Why'd you make that? You know, we can't do anything with that. And then the Lord, the Lord gave me the scripture, Colossians 1, 16, 17. Everything's made by him and for him. Yeah. Not necessarily for you. Yeah. Don't matter to him that you can't eat it. Yeah. He thinks it's freaky looking, so he made it. Yeah. But what, what it speaks to me is the unlimited nature of God. Yeah. Why do you need 30,000 species of fish? Because I'm God. Yeah. Think I'll make 33,000. Did you know there's 400,000 species of plants? There's 900,000 kinds of insects. 900,000 different kinds of insects. ton of them are invisible. And the Bible says he made everything visible and invisible for himself. Just because you can't see it don't mean he's not enjoying it. Them little squiggly amoebas running around, he's like, look at there, I made that. I don't know why he does stuff like this. I started, I did some study on how many, how many stars there are. In our Milky Way alone, there's 100 billion. 100 billion. And that's just with a, if, if we use that 100 billion stars as a, as a measure, what, we, what, we, what we've looked at as far as galaxies that means there's, there's about one septillion stars. That is one with 24 zeros. I graduated from Spring Hill. I don't even know what that means. How many are there in the universe? So I started studying it. And the reason I started studying it was because of the way God spoke to Abraham. God said, I want to talk to you about stars, and I want to talk to, talk to you about grains of sand. So I started studying. I started studying the stars. 100 billion, 100, listen, 100 billion galaxies. 100 billion galaxies. The lowest estimate is 1 billion trillion stars. I don't know how to. Then I, then I started, I told you I studied weird stuff. Then I started studying on, on grains of sand. There's 135,000 grains in one cubic inch of sand. 
There's 235 million in a cubic foot. The geographers estimate that there's approximately 220,000 miles of shoreline, coastline, 6 million square miles of sand and desert on the surface of our planet. And researchers at the University of Hawaii calculated in all the deserts and beaches of the world, there are 7.5 times 10 to the 18th power. Seven billion, billion grains of sand. Now, here's the deal. Stars outnumber grains of sand by 10 to 1. That's not the biggest wow. It's not the biggest wow. Here's the biggest wow. Psalms 146, verse 4, he counts the number of the stars and he calls them all by name. Now you're just showing off. You know what I'm saying? He he calls them all by name. And technically speaking, stars are gas. He names his gas. I don't even want to go there. But I just thought as a man, I'd throw it out. A single grain of sand is four one-hundredths of an inch in diameter. There are more atoms in one grain of sand than grains of sand on the earth. There are more atoms in one grain of sand than there are grains of sand on the earth. Now listen, I, I, I got off on a, on a false humility thing. Uh, a while back, because I've, I've said it for years, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a drop, a, 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 I'm just a drop in a bucket. I've said that for years, you know, I'm I'm just a drop in a bucket. In the whole scheme of things, I'm just a drop in a bucket, and and I just want to be a good drop for Jesus, you know. And then I started doing this study, and it's like God had this big ha ha on me, because I just started, I studied, and listen to this: in one drop of water. There are 1.7 billion trillion individual molecules of H2O. Listen to me. In one drop of water, there are 1.7 billion trillion individual molecules of H2O. So if you say, I'm just a drop, you're pretty significant. Come on, come on, somebody. So I did this study, and I've gotten more weird stuff, but I'll just spare you. But it, all it does is it speaks to the unlimited nature of God. And all I'm saying tonight is, as, as his children, shouldn't some of that affect the way we walk with him? Now, let me, let me put a warning out there. I'm not saying anything to be self, what's the word I'm looking for? You're smart. Self-deprecating, self what's the word? Deprecating. I'm not saying these things to put myself down. Listen to me. I come from absolute hell of a background. Horrible. Messed up as you can imagine. How bad was it? Well, my mother 
tried for the fourth time to commit suicide in front of all of us, and three of my family members sat in their chair and didn't move a muscle. Basically, their expressions were, go ahead and do it. We don't care. I knocked her down, shoved my fist down her throat, and threw about 25 pills Valium all over the floor. My dad sat there with his arms folded and said, well, boys, let's get up and go pump her stomach. That was my life. I don't say that to get some pity from you. or I'm saying this to say, look, it doesn't matter where you come from. You got to settle on this. And I've shared this before and I've said this before at this church and I'm going to keep saying it and I'm going to keep saying it till the very day I die. Nothing that's ever been done to me is greater than what Jesus has done for me. No amount of pain that I have ever been through and experienced is greater than the healing power of Jesus Christ. There is no curse. There is no pain. There is no wound. There is no memory. There is nothing his grace can't touch and heal. And I only bring it up to tell you that I am somewhat functional. (laughs) So to give people here hope. So where do limits come from? Well, if you study the word of God, Psalm 78, 41, they limited the Holy One of Israel. People say, oh, God's not limited. Listen, he's not limited. He is unlimited, but he has chosen to limit himself in this present age. Everybody listen to me. There are some things that fall under the, 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 the sovereignty of God. That means it doesn't matter what you believe. Your faith or lack of faith will not change it one bit. There's people today, they don't believe in a rapture. I don't care. There's going to be a rapture. Na-na-na-na, boo-boo. After the rapture, it's going to be seven years of tribulation. I don't believe it. I believe it's already happened. You're wrong. Seven years of tribulation is coming. You say, I don't believe it. It won't change nothing. It won't change a thing. We're going to be, we're going to be uh, having our seven-year marriage supper over the Lamb. We're going to be getting our rewards. You say, I don't believe it. I don't care. I'll take yours. It's going to happen. Your faith or lack of faith won't change it. But in this present dispensation, he has made your faith a limiting factor in his ability. He chose to do it. So if you look at scripture, there's nothing. Here's something good for the pastor. Guess what? In the, in the parable of the sower, the, the word of God doesn't ascribe any responsibility to the sower after he's sown. After he's sown, the whole whole ball of wax falls on the condition of our hearts. And whether we get 30 or 60 or 100 fold depends on the condition of our own heart. We become the limiting factor. In Matthew 25, he gave five talents, two talents, and one. And some people think he did it arbitrarily. 
just off his sovereign will. Go back and look at the scripture. He gave them according to their ability. Now, if, if you can do things to increase your ability, you can do things to increase what he's able to give you. Elijah told the widow woman, go get borrowed vessels. Don't borrow a few. Borrow a lot. Why? Your miracle's going to be predicated on how many vessels you get. He'll fill the whole stinking house if you can get a vessel. But when you run out, he runs out. <clears throat> he didn't determine the dimensions of that miracle. Come on, somebody. Changed my life forever when I started seeing this. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. I'm waiting for you to bind something. Because I can't, I can't back you up until you bind it. But if you bind it, I'll bind it. I'll back you up. You loose it, I'll loose it. Come on, somebody, say amen. So why am I saying this? Because my life is just hit another, I, I hit another gear. Been in Tanzania for 19 years. The Lord's been speaking to me about stepping down. The Lord stepped down to what? Silence. Crickets. Saw a lot of people waiting on the Lord to give them the whole plan before they step out and obey. He told Abram, he said, get up, get out, away from your kinfolk to a land I will show you. I'm not going to show you any land until you get up and get out and get away. I'll give you something to do, and then I'm going to want you to see if you do it because there ain't no more coming if you don't do what I tell you. I've written my first book, and it's being published in Swahili called The Believer's Ministry. You don't get to the unknown things God has for you till you do the known. Can you say amen? amen? And so what happened to me was you know, I was pastoring this great church, minding my own business. Pastor Rusty came in the early stages of that church. I prayed and prayed, God, send me a man of God. He said, get Rusty. That's true. Rusty got up, and I thought he's going to lay an egg. He got up and said, I got a word from the Lord, and here's the word, change. Everybody here needs to change. And, it, and then it was like, I think you just laid an egg. Because, I mean, there was some resistance there. And, you know, just like typical Pastor Rusty, he dug that thing out and he kept pounding it. And by the time he was through, we were excited about change. And I get credited for saying that everybody wants what's on the other side of change without changing, but I got that from him. So I give him credit. So when the Lord told us to step down, it was just step down. Stepped down from pastoring this great church. It's great. This church has doubled and tripled. I mean, we're, we're a big fish in a small pond. We're doing good. Yeah, everything's great, and I'm finally getting paid. <laughs> Went seven years without nothing. B.B. Yeah. Hankins came and said, uh, y'all need to do something better. So I had seven years of famine and seven years of feast. I was on the feast end. Yeah. When he told me to leave, why didn't you tell me to leave on the famine end? <laughs> Anything would have been better. It was, it was tough. <laughs> I hunted deer to survive. <laughs> but anyway, so the Lord said, step down. Oh, my Lord, step down. 
step down. Leave all, all the, you know, they had a package deal, man. They, they, I'm just bragging on the Lord. They, they, they were taking care of me. I got a four-by-four four extended Chevy Silverado for Pastor Appreciation Day. They paid for it and gave me the key and paid the insurance and the taxes. That's a pretty good Pastor Appreciation Day, amen? I was happy. I had 80 acres of hardwood to bow hunt. Just me. That don't mean anything to y'all. It's important. I'm a man. I have to kill things. The Lord said, leave. And then now, I, 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 something happened that it, it changed my life. The Lord said to me, I want you to walk with me the way Jesus walked with me. Then, then, I, then I came upon Psalms 2, verse 8. And right before Psalms 2, verse 8, he said, I'm talking to my son. And then he says in Psalms 2, verse 8, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. I said, oh, hang on here. Remember when you and I met in the Ukraine and you, could, you said I could have a relationship with you just like your son? Okay, I'm asking for this nation, Tanzania. I'm asking for that nation. You know what? We've seen that nation turn to God. Amen. I have been witness of working with a man that God used to change the nation. And we raised up leaders to change the nation. And there's nothing that Islam can do to take the gospel out of Tanzania. It will never die. So then the Lord said, okay, I want you to do what you've been doing in Tanzania, and I want you to do it all over the world, and I want you to pay for it. And I said, Lord... So my wife, she's the brains of the bunch. By the way, she sends her greetings, but we've got number eight on the way, and we're in an iffy spot right now. Grandchildren. Yeah, grandchildren. Oh, yeah, dear Lord in heaven. <laughs> that shop's been closed a long time. Anyway, no. Eight, number eight, and so she's got to hang around close because my son's in Chicago on a business trip. Anyway, she sends her greetings, but so... So my wife puts pen to paper, and we try to cut it down to the bone what these leadership clinics bringing these leaders in from all over the nation, and we pay for it. Uh, the cheapest we figured out is 10000 So last January, we kind of got a lump in our throat over that because we're not big spenders. And I'm not putting down anybody that is. I'm just saying... You know, we're not. So we had a little <clears throat> gag in our throat. So what we did was we told everybody and we trusted God to connect us to nation changers without us having to do it. I'm not going to work this deal. If this is you, you work it out. And guess what? He did. Before we turned around, we had five nations saying, yes, come and do leadership clinics, and we're happy for you to pay for it. <laughs> so in January, I went to my first church to, to, to tell the news of what God 
wanted me to do. And it's, an, it's a good church, but it's not a mega church. It's a good church. And I just got up and shared. And after I, I preached twice that morning, this is in Arkansas, so you know they're not that affluent. Anyway, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, you know, this isn't Brooklyn, you know, or but anyway. So the pastor comes up smiling. We go to his office. He's smiling. He said, guess what? I said, what? He said, somebody cut you a check for $10,000. And so then we're crying, right? We're crying. But we got five nations. <laughs> so I preached the second message. We go to lunch there at the church. Pastor comes in. He's grinning real silly. He said, guess what? I said, what? He goes, somebody else cut you another check for 10000 Now we're bawling. Then he, said, then he starts laughing at me because I'm crying like a baby. And I know the Lord's laughing over that lump in my throat. <laughs> now I'm gagging on 10000 for one nation. I'm, I'm, I'm having, you know, it's a challenge to my faith. I'm not, I'm not Superman. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person just like you. I struggle with this stuff just like y'all do. And then pastor starts laughing and goes, guess what? I said, what? He goes, church is going to give you 10000 too on top of your $2,000 honorarium. He said, you're walking away today with $32,000. How did that feel? And I'm like, it's just so fun. It's amazing. And I, you know, I could hear the Lord up there going, you're going to gag over, you're going you're gonna to get a lump over that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a mockery of that lump in your throat. Go, uh, uh, two weeks later, I'm driving down the road pastor from that church calls me and said, hey, I don't know what's happened, but six more thousand came in. Do y'all understand? An average church. I just got up and just said, we're going to go all over the world. So this year, we went to five nations. And we paid for everything. We bought pastors Bibles that never had Bibles. We blessed them. We come on transportation, food. Somebody, somebody give God glory with me. Come on. Somebody give God glory with me. Somebody give God glory with me. You know, at, at some point, when it comes to now, now how does this work? Let me let me let me let me help you this. Abram, Abram's walking every day on sand, and every evening, tending to those sheep for forty years, he's looking at stars. And God touches him to cause him to look at something that he's looked at every day for decades and see it in a completely different way. Everybody's not going to have my life, which, by the way, is not as spectacular as you think. There's a lot of drudgery to what we do. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we, that we deal with, and it's not all excitement. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's not what you think. See, the trick is not living a life like me or Paul Chase. The trick is to live your life 
in a supernatural way. You've got to reconcile the fact that you may have an ordinary life, but you don't have an ordinary God. You have an unlimited God. He is unlimited in what he can do for you, and he's unlimited in what he can do through you, but he's got to get you seeing something that you may see every day in a different way. Then he's got to, he's got to change how you call yourself. You have labeled yourself. I was... A, a rebel. I was a misfit. I was a fist-fighting, angry whoremonger. That's what I was. I said was. I'm a new man in Christ. Amen. Old things pass away. That guy's dead. That guy's dead. He's completely dead. And now this guy is built to walk with God. I'm built to walk with God. Do stuff. I never, listen, I never thought I could be a Christian. I never could get the turn the other cheek stuff. Never thought I could be a Christian, right? Never wanted to be a pastor. My pastor was mean. He hated me. I hated him. And his wife was ugly. And I was scared to death that if I ever became a pastor, God would make me marry an ugly woman. And, and his kids were mean. They were mean. I didn't want to be a Christian. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't want to be in the ministry. I didn't want to be a missionary. I'm doing everything I never wanted to do or thought I could. Somebody give God glory. So it don't matter what your pedigree is. It don't matter where you came from. It don't matter how bad it was. It doesn't matter. All that matters is you walk with an unlimited God. Stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Now, this year, seven nations. Listen, listen. I went to Athens, Greece, and ended up preaching to Iranians. Yeah. I entered into a relationship with Iranian pastors who have death threats over their life. And they, once they got to know me, they said, well, we have a secret Zoom meeting, and you'll be speaking to 70 of the top leaders in the nation of Iran. Would you preach to us? We had, we had communion. We had communion. And when I got through doing communion, the Holy Ghost fell. And when we got through with a Zoom meeting, they said, uh, would you consider coming to Turkey to, to minister to the underground Iranian pastors? And would you consider baptizing them? Because they'll, listen, they'll study baptism and communion for up to half a year. Why? Because when they take the communion and when they're water baptized, it represents to them a bridge they can never cross back over. And they, they, they were texting the pastor saying, we want this man to have, we want this man to be the one to baptize us. Meet us in Turkey, in Istanbul. 
I said, let's go. Let's go. I'm going up the Amazon. I'm preaching to 500 pastors up the Amazon. Do you understand? They got anacondas bigger than your head. This is going to be great. Everything I'm doing, I never thought I'd do. Everywhere I'm going, I never thought I'd go. I can't pay for any of it. He's doing every bit of it. What's the secret? One secret. We have sold out. Now, that's a word that kind of iffy. What do you mean by selling out? People tell me all the time, I can't hear God tell me what he wants me to do. I seek him and he doesn't tell me. You know why? Because you're waiting to hear so you'll then decide. You're wanting him to tell you his plan for your life so you can decide. And when you're in that frame of mind, he won't speak to you. Deb and I, we sold out. We just said, we will go anywhere and we will do anything. And when we made that commitment, the heavens opened. I just got the other day, we had one, listen, y'all okay with this? We had one tiny two-week slot left in 2023. I'm booked. I'm booked. I don't have time to scratch my honey. I had a two-week slot, and Deb and I, we used to lay in bed at night, and we'd say, Lord, we're just, we're just giving you the mystery nation. We've got six, but we got a slot here. We're giving you a mystery nation. You fill it in. And there was a man two years ago, I wrote a letter to him and said, I'm available for you because he is a man of God who's changing that nation. Sunday morning, I was supposed to be somewhere else, but I told Debbie, we need to be in our church. That missionary walked in, sat down, turned around and said, I hear you're going all over the world. I want you to come to my nation. Number seven got slotted in. We're going to, we're going to Taiwan. We're going to Taiwan. Now, can you listen? Listen. From Turkey to, to the Amazon to Taiwan to Burundi to Malawi. Come on, somebody. Would you bow your heads? What about you? Have you sold out? Have you sold out? Why not in 2023 pull out the plugs? Pull out the stops. First of all, it's not about just saying, I'll do, I'll do, I'll, I'll do some ministry. It's the, the real thing is, I'm going after God. As exciting as all the things that God is leading us into, the greatest joy of my life is to know that he's holding my hand through the whole thing. He's revealing himself. An ocean so deep you can't find the bottom. A sky so high you cannot touch the ceiling. A love that's so wide you cannot find the walls. 
a limitless God. Father, today, for this 2023, we're still in January. It's always a good time to say, I'm pulling out the stops. Come on, somebody. How many are saying that tonight? You're saying that tonight. I'm pulling out the stops. I'm going after God with everything I got. Come on, somebody. Make a commitment. Now, as you're standing there, lift up your hands and make a commitment. Say something to God. Say something to him. I am pulling out the stops. I'm going after you. I am not letting anything hold me back. Nothing from my past. No scar, no tear, no story, no mishap, no pain. Nothing is greater than what you can do in my life. No person who don't believe me is greater than your hand upon me. All the doubt in the world is nothing when you put your hand on me. Father, I worship you. And I pray, Lord, that this church, and I believe, Ellen and Pat, that there's other nations. I don't know what they are, but there's some other nations he's going to add. And you, you'll know that. You'll walk that out. But I believe that. While we were praying tonight, I'm just giving out what I had by the Spirit, and then I'll turn it over. I don't want to delay. I'm not trying to delay anything. But, Pastor, what I heard tonight while we were praying is, a, is a, a race car going through gears. That's what I heard over this church. It's like a race car that's going to go through gears all year long. You're going you're gonna to build, you're going to build, you're going to hit another gear, you're going to build, you're going to hit another gear, and then you're going to go back, gear down, you're going to start over, and you're going to tear out again, tear out again. It's going to be a wave upon wave of God's power in this church in 2023. You're entering into a place of multiple waves of power visitations from God. You're in a good spot. You're in a good spot. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just make sure I'm obeyed God. Father, we thank you tonight. Come on, let's thank him. We serve an unlimited God. We serve an unlimited God, and, and some of that has to rub off on me. Show me in my thinking where I have limited you maybe in the way that I see my life, maybe in the way that I call myself, in the people that I've allowed to be around me, to dominate me. Lord, I thank you that you break off chains tonight, break people into a big place, an open place. Pull me out of the miry clay and put me in an open range and said, run, run. Run as fast and hard as you want to. And I'll hold your hand through the whole time. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord praise tonight. Pastor, come. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah.